This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. The pandemic is officially over, or at least the state of emergency we've been living under has been remanded according to the Department of Health and Human Services. And if you're listening to this right now, well, congratulations, you made it. If you're one of the millions who lost friends or family like I did, I'm sorry for your loss. I really am. But now that the COVID crisis is coming to an end, so are some of the measures put in place to help us deal with the pandemic. And last Friday at the southern border, they braced for the worst as Title 42 came to an end as well. Back in March of 2020, the Trump administration put Title 42 in place to turn migrants back at the border. Well, they came anyway. Title 42 didn't really work, and now it's back to business as usual. Which means back to a broken system with no end in sight. Several judges tried to keep Title 42 from ending, but they failed. But let's be real. Republicans would love to keep the emergency law in place rather than fix the problem. Those who have embraced the Great Replacement Theory don't want any migrants to be allowed into our country, period. End of story. Now that they want to go out into the fields and do the jobs of migrant workers, they just don't want their white nationalism challenged by asylum seekers. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, whatever. What the fuck? It makes no sense. From day one, President Biden sent an immigration bill to Congress to modernize and fund immigration processes because we are seeing unprecedented global migration. And not just here, my friends, but all over the world. The Biden administration has continued to beg Congress to pass new legislation to fund border enforcement and immigration courts, which currently have backlogs of more than 1.6 million people. And check this, those cases take an average, you can't believe this shit, of five years to be decided. I mean, how do we provide a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants who don't have the money to pay for it? Or for refugees fleeing from danger? And what about the dreamers who were brought to the United States as children and have no other home? If we can't get measures passed in Congress, well, then there's no hope for them. Biden has passed some executive orders trying to bandage the situation. The administration immediately started trying to put children back together with their families after Trump's whole kids in cages debacle. I mean, what a shit stain on our history and our country. And Kamala Harris has met with multiple governments, including Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, to address the root causes of this mass migration. But there is only so much that we can do without Republicans in Congress's vote. However, Mexico has signed on to process thousands of immigrants into their system. And pilot processing centers are being set up in lots of other countries to help would-be migrants start the process before they even get to our border. But in the last few days of Title 42, hundreds of migrants tried to rush across the border. The Border Patrol holding stations are full. And Republican Governors Abbott and DeSantis are still trying to send busloads of asylum seekers to other places like Chicago and New York. But guess what? Both cities are maxed out. Lori Lightfoot has already called for a state of emergency in Chicago. 
And on Friday, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas put out this warning, and I quote, I want to be very clear, he said, our borders are not open. People who cross our border unlawfully and without a legal basis to remain will be promptly processed and removed. We will follow this story as it develops. And just one day after George Santos pled not guilty to 13 federal charges, including allegations of fraud related to unemployment benefits, misusing campaign funds, and lying about his personal finances, Ari Melber premiered some really ridiculous audio tapes of Santos just being his weird-ass self. Santos briefly mentions that he'd like to start an exploratory run, get a load of this shit, for president, but on the down low until he clears himself of the multiple charges he's facing in New York. Now on these tapes, little George does everything from trying to shake down members of the press to ridiculing his Jewish constituents. Santos reportedly confesses to charges in Brazil related to, yeah, get a load of this shit, money laundering in an attempt to avoid extradition. He paid a settlement in exchange for the charges being dropped. But I'm not sure how this kid has gotten as far as he has. I mean, I would say it's all chutzpah, but I reserve that for real Jews, not people who were Jew-ish. And Kevin McCarthy has got a real problem on his hands as well. As we reported earlier, McCarthy isn't backing him for another run, telling CNN that, and I quote, Santos has a lot going on. I think he has other things to focus on in his life other than running for re-election. And strangely, the most famous freshman in the 118th Congress was notably missing from their class photo. I mean, that's right, the kid didn't even make the fucking picture. Perhaps he'll disappear as mysteriously as he arrived. Now, just when you thought it was really time to finally leave Twitter for good, Elon has come to his senses and is supposedly hiring some good help. Civil rights and free speech advocates are feeling like Elon Musk's appointment of Linda Yaccarino may be the reset Twitter needs to stay afloat. Or at least that's the hope. Yaccarino is said to have conservative leanings, and she just resigned from NBC, where she was the head of global advertising and partnerships. And if Twitter needs anything right now, it's a safety net for advertisers worried that the platform has fallen apart. While Musk says he's handing over the Twitter reins to Yaccarino, that remains to be seen. But she's going to need some help since Musk has let go of roughly three quarters of Twitter's staff since taking over last year. Yaccarino's extensive work with the World Economic Forum, or WEF, has some Musk fans concerned. The WEF is made up of political power brokers and global business elites that Musk has criticized in the past because they host the annual Davos Forum. Will Yaccarino's relationships to all that money and power affect Musk's free speech initiatives? Well, it's hard to say, but no one disputes the need for new management at Twitter. I mean, even Musk said in a tweet that the platform's commitment to open source transparency and accepting a wide range of viewpoints remains unchanged. On the same day, Fucker Carlson announced that he'd be hosting his new show on Twitter, Musk offered the exact same opportunity to former CNN anchor Don Lemon. 
I'm suggesting that they team up for a point-counterpoint type show. I mean, who wouldn't watch that? I would. But Lemon is still mulling his options. After Carlson announced that he's moving to Twitter, Musk tweeted out, and I quote, We have not signed a deal of any kind whatsoever, but noted that Carlson could earn revenue from subscriptions and advertising on the platform. Tucker is subject to the same rules and rewards of all content creators, Musk said. Hours later, he tweeted to Lemon about following Carlson's lead. The audience is bigger, and potentially, there's a shit ton of money in it. What happens next is anyone's guess. But Musk added, I hope that many others, particularly from the left, also choose to be content creators on this platform. I mean, hell, maybe I'll even take a look at it. But follow up to a story that we've been following. Sexual predator Donald Trump has begun the process of appealing the $5 million verdict reached last Tuesday in the E. Jean Carroll sexual abuse and defamation lawsuit. A notice of appeal was filed late Thursday by none other than, yeah, Joe Tacopinus. That's right, less than 24 hours after Trump denounced Carroll during that bullshit CNN town hall as a whack job who peddled a fake story, the fucking asshole is appealing. The silver lining here is that each time there's a development in the case, we will all be reminded again and again and again that Donald is a fucking creep who can't be left alone with a woman because he might grab her by the pussy. And lastly, after so much money and time went into investigating the Biden family crime syndicate, well, we now know the truth. That the fucking House Oversight Committee is totally full of shit. The Bidens have been cleared without one fucking credible link to any crime. None. Comer, Jordan, and the fucking Keystone cops running this fucking shit show couldn't even find any dirt, any real dirt on Hunter either. I mean, there were no bad business deals. There are no foreign bank accounts. All they have is 65 pathetic pages of false allegations with zero evidence. But hey, taxpayers, how do you like how the House Republicans are spending your money? I mean, I wish that they'd be governing instead. And now for the main event. Today we welcome to the show one of our favorite people from the Lincoln Project, Tara Setmayer. Setmayer is a former CNN political commentator, a contributor to ABC News, and a former GOP communications director on Capitol Hill. She's appeared on ABC's The View, ABC's Good Morning America, and HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher. Setmayer was named a Harvard Institute of Politics Spring 2020 Resident Fellow. And also in 2020, she joined the Lincoln Project as a senior advisor. Setmayer hosts the live show The Breakdown alongside co-founder Rick Wilson on the organization's streaming channel LPTV. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Tara, great to have you back on Maya Culpa. Let's talk about CNN's, you know, Trump town hall. I mean, the more I'm watching it, the more that there are so many scary moments and lies, the perpetuation of lies during this 90 minute shit show, 
You were on talking this um, today with Joy Reid about, you know, this exact topic. What stood out to you most? <laughs> well, um, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Michael. Thank you for having me back. Uh, and what a week to be back on with you. There's so many emotions that people like us who have been living this nightmare now for all of these years, there's just so many things that go through your mind. And like, I literally had a visceral reaction when I turned on the CNN town hall. And I actually had a whole debate with myself about whether I was even going to watch it Me too. because I'm like, I don't want to give them the ratings, you know? And Me then too. my mom and I were talking. She's like, yeah, but you have to watch it because people look to you to analyze it and they want your opinion. I said, okay, fine. You're right. So I forced myself to watch it. And frankly, I took, turned it off about a half, half an hour in because I literally could not take it anymore. And then I turned it back on uh, at about five to nine. And you said it was 90 minutes, but actually, yes, it was scheduled for 90 minutes, but it was cut short. Yes. It was that much of a shit show. I've never seen anything like that before, by the way. Uh, as many of you know, I was with CNN as a political commentator for six years uh, and through the entirety of the Trump um, presidency. And I'd never seen them do that before. That tells you that the higher ups recognized that this had become an absolute disastrous shit show. That Caitlin Collins, God bless her, she tried her best. She's very good at what she does, but she was not prepared for what Donald Trump does on stage. And he ran roughshod over her and they needed to pull the plug. That tells you everything you need to know. When I was on Joy Reid earlier in the evening, I was talking about why in the hell would CNN give him this platform now? I mean, we kind of know because CNN is in is such disrepair right now. I mean, what Chris Licht has done to that legacy brand is just unimaginable and horrible. And this this town hall didn't help that. But we look at everything that Trump has done. We look at his record. We look at what's happening right now with all of the legal troubles. These are very serious things. This isn't jaywalking. This isn't like he was a scofflaw and didn't pay parking tickets in New York. This is we're talking about sexual assault. We're talking about insurrection. We're talking about violating national security. We're talking about fake electors and interfering with our constitutional order. These are all very real legal issues that Donald Trump is facing. And CNN treats it as though he's just some regular candidate that's decided he's going to run again, quote, pivoting to a more traditional campaign. Traditional Get the fuck out of here. There's nothing traditional about anything Donald Trump is doing. And shame on them for framing it that way. And, you know, I, I said as much on Joy Reid and other places, <laughs> including here. I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. I'm not disappointed or angered that CNN elected to have Trump on for a town hall. You know, I say this often and it's worth repeating that if you only listen to people who agree with you or your point of view, you can't learn as a person. And I thought that it was the right thing for CNN to do, to be honest with you. He is the leading Republican right now, even though there's really nobody else. I mean, you got DeSantis, you got Nikki Haley, Pompeo already dropped out. You know, who knows who's going to be there? No shot. None of them have a chance. That's right. None of them. But Everybody is pretty much in agreement that if Donald Trump doesn't stay out of jail, that if Donald Trump wants to be the nominee, 
that he will ultimately be the nominee unless some intermediary factor comes in that knocks him on his ass. Yeah, unless he drops dead. Let's just be honest. Unless he's unless he drops dead, he's going to be the nominee. And, you know, we've been saying that at the Lincoln Project. Rick Wilson and I have been saying this for over a year. And I struggle, too, with whether she and CNN should or shouldn't have done it. You know, should people see the crazy? Maybe, you know, they should. But then it, the problem is the way in which they did it. If you're going to do this, then you have got to set it up where Donald Trump doesn't have all the advantages. So they should have had, and I tweeted this in real time, if you're going to do this, A, you don't stack the audience with all pro-Trump people. That I had a problem with. A Trump rally. What the hell are we doing? The guy walked out to a standing ovation. You've lost home court advantage right away, right there. You're giving it away. Um, Caitlin Collins was set up to fail just with that decision. Two, if you're going to do it live, which is a challenge in and of itself because you cannot fact check him in real time without him talking over you, which he tried to do. I give her credit for trying. And then parts where she didn't try infuriated me, like the January 6th parts when she called, when he called the black Capitol Police officer a thug Uh for shooting Ashley Babbitt. It was a righteous shoot. Ashley Babbitt was a violent insurrectionist trying to break into the speaker's lobby. And he was doing his sworn oath to protect the office of the speaker. And he was cleared by the Department of Justice. So the idea that Trump would pardon these bastards that injured 140 cops, that ruined their lives, that some lost their lives. I mean, what are we doing here? And she didn't really push back too much on that. That upset me greatly because we all know I'm very pro-law and forth, those guys. As do I. uh, Wholeheartedly. So absolutely. So there were just so many things. But they could have what they could have done was they could have had a split screen and had the fact checkers that they used to have at CNN. I don't know if they're still there. I don't know if Chris Licht fired them too, but they should have had a split screen with a scroll of fact checking in live real time. It can be done because it's not like anything Trump would say was new, right? It's not like it's new. You know what he's going to say. You know exactly where he's going with it. And they should have had somebody. What I said that they should have had is directly behind them, a 15 by 15 foot smart board wall that said Hmm. fact check. And as he would make a comment, right, for example, right out of the gate, the second that this moron comes out there the first thing that he talks about he goes right to the big lie right that Mm -hmm. she asked him and i thought it was a fabulous question and to be honest with you i've been interviewed by caitlin and i think she's very good at what she does i happen to like her as a person but she was completely outmatched by donald Mm -hmm. all right because Mm -hmm. he's an asshole and she was trying to be journalistic Right, try to be a professional. Yo, professional, you cannot be that way with Donald Trump. So he comes right out of the gate, and she asks him the question whether or not he will acknowledge that he lost the 2020 election to Biden fair and square. All right? To which, of course, what does he do? Denies it. Denies it. And he comes up again with the same bullshit about, oh, there's cameras, there's video in government back to the 7 million votes that were stuffed and blah, blah, blah. And she tried. She tried so hard to say, no, 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 Mr. President, 60 different cases were brought. You were successful in none of them, to which, Mm -hmm. you know, he continued again to be the animal that he is. And in all fairness, my hope is that there were enough, even though it didn't have big ratings at all last night, 
To be three honest million, with you, that's three it. million viewers. You know, one of the issues that I'm hoping is that there were enough independent or swing voters that were watching it and saying, look, I have my issues with Joe Biden. I certainly have my issues with Donald Trump. But this is not the kind of person that we can have as the president of the United States of America, a guy who turns around and attacks our intelligence agencies, attacks our police officers, believes Vladimir Putin over them. This is a guy who's telling you that he could resolve the Ukraine-Russia war in under 24 hours, right? Of course, he won't tell you how he'll do it. That's one of Donald Trump's superpowers. He lies with fucking impunity. He has no idea. He couldn't pick Ukraine out on the map. He could not, let alone, he, unless he turns around and tells Putin, knock yourself out. We're not giving any more ammunition, That's what he's do. which is exactly what he would do. In fact, that lie I found to be as reprehensible as any of the others. The fact that we've given them yes. so much ammunition that we don't have any for ourselves right now. Where did he even come up with that bullshit? It's an absolute lie. That's right. That's right. I mean, look, there were many unsurprising but consistently disturbing revelations that came out of last night. The Ukraine issue was one of them because it's bigger than just Ukraine versus Russia. It is a fight for democracy and for sovereignty in Europe. And so if you allow Ukraine to go under and we don't support them, you are handing over free reign to Russia and China, these hegemonic authoritarian countries, free reign to do whatever the hell they want because America won't do anything about it. That is a global threat to the strategic order in this in the world. So Donald Trump doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, I don't care. Let Putin do whatever he wants. We're, you know, America first, which is what the, you know, the Nazis said. I mean, in, in America, the Nazi sympathizers said before World War, we got involved in World War II. People forget that. That's where that America first committee crap came from uh, in history. But the also, also the part where he bragged about the Roe versus Wade overturning, right? He bragged about, I, I did that. No, you didn't. Well, you did indirectly by appointing uh, Supreme Court justices who lied during their nomination hearings about stare decisis and things that we're going to, you know, oh, no, no, we're not going to mess with Roe v. Wade. It's settled law. Yeah, OK. We all knew that was an agenda. But that was our that's our Supreme Court. That's a separate branch of government that you do not have control over. No, you had nothing to do with that. And I don't know how laughing at the idea of rape and sexual abuse how that's going to play with suburban women that Republicans desperately need in some wing districts if they think they're going to win anything in 2024. I mean, that was appalling. That segment about the E. Jean Carroll yeah. was, I mean, CNN, I can tell you what Lincoln Project is about to do. You know, LP is not going to let CNN get away with that. A lot of people know that we've gone after Fox and Fox advertisers for advertising on programs like Tucker and others that spew their garbage. Let's just say CNN is about to get the Lincoln Project treatment soon after that. How despicable. Lincoln Project is made up of majority women. A lot of people just see the, the, the co-founders, the guys, but the people who make the magic happen behind the scenes, it's mostly women. And the women on staff, we were all, we have a, a group chat. We're all very good friends and we're, you know, we're colleagues, but we, on these things, we all watch it together and, and chat in live time. We were all beside ourselves during that. Imagine this is how Donald Trump feels about 
women. This is how he views women. And those people in the audience should be a fucking shame to themselves, laughing and scoffing at the idea of a woman being sexually abused. Unbelievable. You know, I, I got to ask you as, as a woman, I could not possibly understand how these women, and I don't give a shit if they're diehard Republicans. I don't, it, the fact that they were able to stand up to applaud him and to laugh at another woman's misery. I just didn't, I did not understand it. You could not have paid people to come in if they were actors or actresses. You could not have paid people to come in to do more than what was done last night. And you know what? I would have liked to have seen Caitlyn turn around and then just say, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, stop. First of yeah. all, all of you should be ashamed of yourself. All right. Mm -hmm. E. Jean Carroll, whether or not Donald wants to acknowledge it or not, nine jurors, his peers, determined mm -hmm. that she was entitled to compensation based upon the allegations that were raised. All right. To yes. the tune of five million dollars. In fact, yes. this idiot goes ahead and spews the same defamatory stupidity yeah. that he had done earlier, 24 hours earlier, that resulted in like, what, $3 million of defamation charge. Right. I was going to ask you, because you're a lawyer, I was thinking that last night as he was calling her a whack job and making all of those disparaging comments about her during his shtick on that. And I was thinking to myself, can she sue him again? Yes. Because, uh, right, she can. Yes. Right? And by the way, she already has another case, which is still pending. Um, I don't know if you know, but she, I'm certain, Roberta Kaplan is nobody to play with, all right? I've, so I've heard. She's <laughs> no one to play with. And I assure you, they're already talking about bringing another action. It goes to show the malice, all right? Mm -hmm. It shows the intent. Of course he knew what he was doing. He had just been charged and he's been fined as a direct result. So look, if that's his goal is to keep raising more and more money off of his MAGA morons so that he can give it to E. Jean Carroll, you know what I say to that? God bless. And then right. of course- Well, that, it's interesting that you bring that up because um, between that and the George Santos stuff this week, which has just been insane, which I know we're going to get to that in a second. You know, but there's a some uh, one of the legal analysts on MSNBC brought up a very good point that with George Santos potentially raising money fraudulently uh, for his campaign, claiming one thing and then spending the money on something else, that there may be a tie-in to what Jack Smith is looking at with Donald Trump and the way that he fundraised off of the election lie and. Um, you know, knowing, knowing it was false, but still using that to raise campaign funds, that there could be some something there that Jack Smith is looking into, which I think would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd rather Jack Smith do me a favor, stay in his lane. There's two issues there, <laughs> the Morillardo documents, and then on right. top of that, the January 6th insurrection, which, of course, Trump lied about as well. Wire fraud is not a joke, though. Yeah, it's not a so. joke. How about we just get him on the others before he starts bringing I don't care in what they third. get him on at this point, right? <laughs> what really bothered me is the fact that Caitlin Collins treated Donald 
with nothing but respect and professionalism, Mr. President, and so yeah, on. And no, even when me. she argued with him <laughs> and she tried to have him acknowledge the falsities of his statement, she still did it with class and she did it with respect. While all that yeah, bullshit is going on, what was Trump doing? He was demeaning her. I mean, any time mm-hmm. that she was asking or pushing back, no, Donald, all right? Gas prices are not $9. They're $3.63. And yes, for a short time during COVID, in your administration, it did fall to a buck 87. All right? But at the right, end of no the day- because no one was driving. That's correct. Basic supply and demand. <laughs> so here, as soon as she started to push back, what does he do? He goes, right, a nasty person. All right. Yeah. What I don't understand is why do women stick with him? Any woman. It makes absolutely no sense. I think as many men were as insulted as I think maybe even more than the women. I mean, I cannot understand. I was so taken back by his nastiness to her that I, like you, I had to switch channels. I was angry. And yeah. then, of course, I knew I was going to get questioned on it. And I had the podcast. Right, I had to I go back. Have, I had to go back and watch it, which really yeah. gave me a lot of agita. I switched over to the to the Knicks game because I'm a big Knicks fan. Too. So I was like, <laughs> they were up 14. And I was like, I watched yes. it too. And I was so excited that they were winning. Right. Right. And then I switched back to CNN for a little bit. And then after that was over, I, you know, um, uh, after I watched the first panel of CNN uh, analysts and then when they went to the second panel that had Byron Donald and Alyssa Farah and a lot of those people on there, I said, yeah, I got to turn the channel now on this. <laughs> I'm not, and then, then the Knicks almost blew their lead and I was screaming at the TV. But yeah, you know, we talked about this last time and it's one of those phenomenon. And I always say this, that cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug. Just like I don't understand how any people of color could possibly support Donald Trump either after he has demonstrated over the decades what a racist he is and what he actually thinks of people of color. But yet he gained more Republican votes from black and brown folks than Mitt Romney or uh, John McCain, you know, he he increased his his share of the black vote. I, it was shocking to me in 2020 after everything that went on, you know, go back to your shithole countries and all that. Other, I mean, it's just crazy. And with women, there is a dynamic there where some women who are still caught up in some of the old school machismo ways, definitions of what it is to be a man, that they think that he's tough. They gravitate toward these emotionally abusive men, this toxic masculinity that I think a lot of women fall victim to, unfortunately. And I'm sure a psychologist could come in and better analyze why that is or what factors have contributed to that. But I think there is something to that because if you are a secure woman that has a healthy relationship with men or has a healthy sense of self, you would never put up with that, ever. You would under you would never. <laughs> Tara, how does the Lincoln Project then take a clip from here and sort of put it out there. There's a difference, and this would we would direct towards women. There's a difference between being tough and being yeah. stupid. Oh, absolutely. What Donald was, was stupid. I think he made himself look like a bigger asshole than what most people think. To people outside of his bubble, yes. I mean, to those outside of the cult, sure, of course, because they look at this and go, what? But the cult is only 26%. The cult is 26 to 28 percent of the Republican Party. He owns them. He, they don't give a shit what True. he does or says. Men, women, it doesn't matter. 
But for everybody else, and there's quite a few purple states out there, for everyone else, there's a big difference between being tough and being stupid. And I just thought with all of the stupidity that he was spewing yesterday, right, whether it's his perfect phone call to Brad Raffensperger, whether it was about the January 6th violence and the fact that he would pardon these insurrectionists, that they're being very Disgusting. unfairly treated, right? E. Jean Carroll, the absolute disgraceful information that in the name calling that was going on there. I mean, the lies about inflation. How about the fact that he even believes that Republicans should do everything they can to burn down our country through the debt ceiling? Refusal, right, absolute refusal in order to increase the debt ceiling, despite the fact when he was president, it was done three times. What kind of an ad can you do on that one? Well, we had a, rap a rapid response that came out with some of the, the greatest or lowest hits of, of the night, pointing all of those things out. And what we'll do is we will extrapolate those issues as they percolate up again to remind people, this is what this guy has said. This is what he has done. And this these are the consequences of it. I mean, you know, it, it's interesting that... <laughs> One of the the ads that put Lincoln Project on the map in 2020, around now, actually, it was about three years ago now, was called Morning in America. And it was right in the middle of, of the, the COVID emergency when we were just kind of figuring out what the hell's going on. Everybody was in lockdown. People were dying. He was telling people to put bleach up their ass. Like, it was a crazy time. And Lincoln Project seized on Ronald Reagan's Morning in America, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, like good morning, and took that ad and turned it around and called it morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Mm -hmm. Because to show people and the visuals of that ad were, it was brilliant. And showing the contrast of what America was before Trump and what it is now under Trump with the body bags and with the people suffering and all of that. And that ad caught his attention. And that's when he called us the Losers Project and all of that. And we've been on his radar ever since. And because he knows that we know how to take those emotional images and how to take those messages and make it impactful. So much so that his campaign, if you saw the, this week, put out an ad called Morning in America, stealing our concept. Huh. Yeah, well, what do you <laughs> yeah. expect from yeah. them? Yeah, of course. Nothing original from them. Look, you know, I, I have my issues as well now with CNN. You know, I'm constantly seeing guys like Ty Cobb and Bill Barr, you know, being interviewed on CNN. But mm -hmm. they don't get the rough treatment. They don't get the right questions. They're getting fucking meatball shit so that they can all, including like John Bolton. Oh, Donald Trump, I told him. And Bill Barr, the same thing. I told Donald that he lost the election. <laughs> right. And then you have, you know, Ty Cobb sitting there. Oh, Michael Cohen, he's a convicted perjurer. He's, he's, he's not going to do anything. Let me tell you something. So far, every case that has been predicated off of my information has not gone well for Donald. In fact, over the course of the past uh, several months since those cases came to fruition, Donald is 0-4, all right? And I suspect mm -hmm. that there'll be more losses for him. But what are your thoughts about CNN? Do you think that they jumped the shark when they asked Trump to showcase himself on the network? Or do you think they were just doing it because they thought it'd be good business? Well, I think CNN has jumped the shark 
a couple of times before this. This was a desperate attempt to move forward from firing my friend Don Lemon to the decision to put that morning show together in the first place. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Those personalities were never going to mesh. None of them are suited for morning television. They have different talents and it was definitely not for morning and definitely not together. You know, getting rid of some of the the anchors and, and reporters that they got rid of, I don't understand. And a lot of the changes that they've made in deciding to just let their primetime lineup just go to hell for over a year now didn't make sense to me either. And now you look at this, they, they thought they were being clever, taking advantage of the fact that Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox and that Fox viewers are homeless now. A lot of them have, have jumped ship from Fox. and They're going over to Newsmax or OANN or somewhere. They thought, oh, well, now's our time to pounce. Let's see if we can draw some of them in. Because you see, like you said, some of the people that are now on CNN, we hadn't seen them on there before. They're giving these people more Republicans, more of the election denier Republicans and these people, they're getting opportunities to come on CNN because they think they're going to get their audience. Right. And I think that they should do that. Again, I still ascribe to the belief that every time that you're but on there, challenge you don't, them, though. Oh, that's the problem. They don't <laughs> right. challenge them. You got I mean, I'm no. sitting there listening as like Aaron Burnett is saying to Ty Cobb. Oh, really? OK. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh. Right. No, no. By the way, Ty Cobb was CC'd on the lie that I told the Senate Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence based upon the number of times I said that I spoke to Trump about the failed Trump Tower Moscow project. He was part of that. He was representing one of the, you know, whether it was Ivanka or Jared or whoever, he was involved in the scripting of that, or at least the reading and the you know, and the comments that were there. But no, 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 that's okay. I'm the bad guy. Right. It's and nobody challenges. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point. So you can't right. give them the every show doesn't have to be like a Hannity interview where they throw the meatball and whatever he says. Oh no, 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 Donald, you would never do that, would you? Right. You know, Sean. <laughs> right. you know, Sean maybe. You know, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't. No, 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 Donald, you definitely <laughs> wouldn't do that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure. A lot a lot of really smart people. Uh, yeah, a right? lot of people are a, saying. A lot of really yeah. smart people. I liked when Caitlin even said to him, wait, wait, you're saying that there are defend that there are democratic members of Congress that agree with you regarding he was like right. who are those democratic he completely ignored her. But here, here's somebody And the that, same thing with the documents when she was when she was challenging thing. she pushed back on the on the documents and he was talking about the archives and all that and she was like no, that's not what the Presidential Records Act says. No, you know, the archives are not partisan. I like no, he says, you know, and he, he, he thinks he's so clever. He goes, do you even know what NARA is? Yeah, the National Archives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> in, in fact, I, maybe he forgot what it was and he was just testing her, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Now, here's some. Uh, so think about this, right? Liz Cheney, superstar, loses her seat. Why? Well, because of the MAGA Republicans, mm -hmm. she just put out an anti-Trump ad. And mm -hmm. I saw it. it's extremely effective. All right. Mm -hmm. But how much sway do you think that Liz Cheney still has over Republicans and the party? So, you know, this is uh, I, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to spend some time with Liz Cheney down at uh, University of Virginia, where I'm a resident scholar. She has now joined the staff there for the Center for Politics as a professor in practice. So we were having a welcome ceremony for her. 
I'd never met her before. And she's really a lovely person, you know, and I and I appreciated her courage and her conviction and her willingness to to stand up at great personal and political and career cost to her. And, you know, I said that to her. I said, you know, your voice is so important because I think that there are the same the same group of Republicans that the Lincoln Project targets. We call them Bannon line Republicans because Steve Bannon actually said this, that if Trump loses between three and seven percent of Republicans, he'll lose the reelection campaign. And we zeroed in on that. And our numbers and and our uh, research said, looked at that and said, you know what? He's right. And I think that Liz Cheney still has influence with those Bannon line voters. And since Dobbs, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. we think that Bannon line has expanded because that has awakened more of those suburban voters in swing districts going, whoa, hold on. Wait a minute. You mean my daughter is going to have less rights over her body than I did or my my own mother did? That's crazy. We don't like this. So I think Liz Cheney has influence in that range because Democrats are already we don't need her for them. They're already not going to vote for Donald Trump. And then the Republicans, the, the MAGA Republicans, they're not going anywhere. It's a cult. So she's an apostate. She's not going to reach them. She's the type that's going to give permission structure to those more traditional conservatives, even though that's shrinking, that are still on the fence, that feel a certain party loyalty, but don't really want to deal with Trump again. They're not thrilled about Biden, but she gives them, reminds them, you know, is this really who you want to be? Is this who you want your kids to look up to that you're going to vote Republican with these people? I don't think so. So I think that's where she can be effective. And those Bannon line voters, we think that's now more like five to 11 percent. It's expanded. But that group right there, the election is going to be decided by a very few states and swing districts across the country. It'll come down to about six states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Georgia. There's another one in there. Arizona. Those are the six states where the election is going to be decided. Yeah, well, look, so many lies were said. And it's not just the Dobbs decision and the effect. It's more than that. You know, A lot of people in this country, Republican and Democrat, are very concerned about Russia. And Donald's comment about aid to Ukraine and this never-ending lies and the documents that everything that he does is perfect. I think a lot of people have Trump fatigue at this point in time. Right. This Trump derangement Mm -hmm. syndrome has created Trump fatigue. And I think people, especially Republicans, are sick and tired of listening to the stupidity that we just want life in America to start to return to some sense of normalcy. Every single day you don't have to wake up. Right. Like this is going to be the Howard Stern show. What's he going to say next that's going to make, you know, that's just going to become controversial? The only difference Mm -hmm. is Howard's fucking funny. Right. And it made your day because you laughed. Nobody's Mm -hmm. laughing about Donald claiming that he had the right to show top secret stolen documents to whoever he wanted to. It was perfectly perfect. Everything that he did was absolutely perfect permitted simply because he thought, he thought about it. declassifying, yeah. right? He used the old Jedi right. mind trick. 
na 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 right it's almost like bill murray in caddyshack na 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 all of a sudden it's declassified why because this genius with the best words and the big brain decided that well that's it i'm going to slabiscum right it's you're now declassified that's not how it that's not how it works Right. It's not how any of this works. I loved how he was trying to school Caitlin, you know, on this. And she's like, I mean, I would, I wish it was me doing it. I would have said to him, you got to just shut up and stop. That's what Joe Biden did. Yeah. You just got (laughs) to shut up and stop at this point. And you got to understand that facts matter. And for the last 45, 50 minutes, you've been spewing nothing but lies and, you know, promoting and regurgitating the same nonsense that you've been doing since, you know, you lost the election fair and square. I mean, your mm-hmm. issue with tax cuts, with abortion, with every, with Mike Pence and the fact that Nancy Pelosi is not the one that was responsible for calling the National Guard. And stuff. What you're saying is pure lies and you got to yeah. stop it. Otherwise, I would have called it and said, there's no point in giving you a forum to continue to spew lies and so on. But I do yeah. want to jump on yeah. to George Santos or Anthony Devolver <laughs> or whatever he calls himself today. Yeah, whatever. Because, what's his drag queen name? He's got I one have, of those two. I have no idea, right? Katira <laughs> <Get to laughs> or something. That's something like that, right? So George yeah. Santos is apparently himself now caught up in what he's referring to, right? He thinks he's Donald 2.0 here in a witch hunt of his own. 13 charges, 13 counts, and a very long paper trail. Now, I don't even want to go into these 13 counts of money laundering and wire fraud and all that other bullshit. Kevin McCarthy was asked a very specific question, whether or not that he would back Santos in a re-election campaign. Problem, though, is he needs his vote now. So what do you predict happens to Santos in terms of Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is desperate to keep every single vote he can because he only has a four-vote majority in the House. If they had a 20-vote majority, George Santos would have been kicked out by now. McCarthy would have went to him and said, you got to go. But he doesn't. So as a result, he must once again debase himself and contort himself into all kinds of political pretzels to try to avoid saying that George Santos needs to go. What is his red line? It keeps moving. At least he kicked them off committees. Okay, whoop-de-doo. That was the least he could have done. But then he said, well, he hasn't been convicted of breaking any laws. So that's that's it. So indictment, a very serious indictment uh, federally. And a lot of these, you know, as, as you know, Michael, that when you have the document types of crimes, it's documents. They've got the evidence on him on this Mm -hmm. when, you know, you know, so it's not all witness um, testimony. You're pretty fucked when you have these types of charges against you with the feds. They don't bring them unless they know they're going to get a conviction pretty much. So but Kevin McCarthy is is hemming and hawing. He doesn't want to answer it because he it's all politics. It's all it is. It's not right or wrong. It's purely politics. Sure. But Tara. They did ask Kevin McCarthy while walking uh, in the hallway, and they did ask him, will you back uh, Santos in his reelection campaign? And he said no. He said no. Now, I'm not sure if he really meant it. Uh, Maybe he didn't mean it for the moment. But once he needs this guy's vote and he needs it, my concern is that 
he'll stay silent or he'll just go neutral on this in well, hopes. Look, he can say, yeah, I'm not going to support him in his reelection. That's two years from now. I mean, a year from now. Right. He doesn't. That doesn't matter. What matters is right now in this session Agreed. of Congress. Right. He needs his vote. So he can say, I'm not. No, I'm not going to support him in his reelection. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are saying that his own hometown Republican yeah. Party is not it won't support him. You know, his own delegation won't support him. The guy has no friends in Congress except for other degenerates like, you know, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. So not great company. First of all, that's Marjorie Toilet Greene. All right. That's, that's how she's referred to here. I do want to ask you this because you we call her up- three toes. Marjorie, three toes. <laughs> right. The DOJ. If the DOJ can get to Santos's case as quickly as they did. And the mm-hmm. only one that went faster than that one was mine, which was full of shit. Unfortunately for you. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. But then I believe that Jack Smith must be ready to indict Trump as well. It's just it's it's my personal feeling, because during the town hall. Trump defended his taking of the classified documents. Do you think that he's actually deluded enough to believe that he will never face consequences for this? I mean, Michael, you would know better than I because you've spent time with this man. But it seems to me like he has bullshitted himself into believing this. I think he believes it when he says it. I really do, because he's sick. The guy is a malignant narcissist. He's sick in the head because no one that is a well-adjusted adult could possibly behave the way Donald Trump does. So I think he thinks, because he hasn't paid any price up until now, I think he still thinks that he can weasel his way out of it. He has not paid a significant price for any of the shit he's done up until now. And Mary Trump has said that in the past, I've heard her talk about this, how he This is really the first time in his life where he's actually facing real consequences Mm -hmm. and he's freaking out. And I think you've said the same. Behind the scenes, he's freaking out, right? Yeah. So the only way he can function is by bullshitting himself, deluding himself in his own mind and then going out and just repeating these things over and over again like some kind of, you know, crazy person. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the more he talks, though, the more I'm sure his lawyers who are representing him are going, oh, for fuck's sake. Because he just digs himself in further and further. I'd be very surprised if Joe Tacopino is still on his case for the appeal. <laughs> unless, unless you know, if, if Trump pays him, he might go. Because he's probably, he probably looked at that, what, what he said with E. Jean Carroll, and thinking to himself, I'm not dealing with this on, on appeal too. And same thing with the documents. Well, do you case. remember, Tara? He turned around and he said to the judge, you understand. I, I mean, you know who my client is. Right. right? right. I mean, how, right. how much more of that shit can anybody take? You know, it's funny. Right. Many times over the course of my tenure with him where he would have certain issues, you know, he would make reference, you know, to Roy Cohn and he'd be like, you're my Roy Cohn. He goes, make sure this goes away. Make sure this gets resolved. And so and that's what I was tasked to do. You know, he doesn't have a Roy Cohn. He doesn't have a Michael Cohen that actually cared about him as deluded as I was, right, in, in terms of that. He doesn't have anybody. He's got a bunch of fucking dimwits that are running around because their biggest problem is that they're not stupid. None of them are stupid. I, and I don't mean to turn around and to, and to give that impression because they are not. What they are is uneducated in Donald Trump. They're uneducated mm. in how Donald Trump speaks and how he reacts to things. None of them understand him or truly understand him. 
Yeah, for them, it's a paycheck. I get it. It's also getting on television, being important. Maybe. To, you know, the, maybe is right. You know, and <laughs> he doesn't pay his bills. <laughs> they don't understand Donald Trump at all. And that's more yeah. important in terms of getting him out of trouble. Like, I knew that he never would have shut his mouth as it relates to E. Jean Carroll and this case. I called it the second that I heard, and I was it was in real time on political beatdown. You know, it was coming through, and Ben Micellis and I were having the conversation. And I said, he's going to come right out and say, it's all part of the witch hunt. It's the radical left. We all know mm -hmm. where it's he's fake, going with that. Made it's, up story. Yeah, it's made yeah. up. I don't know who she is. You know, it's, I mean, who would ever want to be with someone like her and yada, yada. And he will continue to say the same shit over and over and will not accept accountability. Now, somebody who knows him and somebody who would be close to him would have already predicted the outcome of this case. No different than when I said, uh, you know, they showed a photo of, you know, him and two other folks in Scotland with shovels. I said, he's shoveling bullshit. You know, coming back to New York, that's all that this is. And right, he's right. going to lose this case, rest assured, whether it's a million dollars or $50 million. I don't know the number, but he's going to lose it. What they needed to do is already pre-prepare a statement that he accepted that kept him out of additional trouble. Well, none of them understand that or him. And now he's going to see yet another case for defamation. And you know what? He deserves it. He does. He deserves all of it. I mean, again, I was on fire last night, not only on, on this issue, going down, like relitigating how disgusting he is toward women. And this was before the town hall. I was on in the seven o'clock hour with Joy Reid, as you said. And I just went down the litany. I, I used the example of your daughter mm -hmm. in your book where he referenced her as a hot piece of ass. And then you realize my daughter <laughs> and she was 15 she was years 15, old, you know? Yeah. 15 years old, you know? And I think a lot of people forget because there's just been such a fire hose, of fuckery with this guy for so long that people forget all of the things that he has said and done and the pattern of despicable behavior he's left in his wake. I mean, they forget. And, and I'm just saying to myself, it really is more about us. It's about those people, not you and I, but the people who continue to support him and continue to give him any credibility, that continue to mm -hmm. give him money. These are the people who, who we really need to figure out what the fuck is wrong with them because they're the ones who are empowering him. Yep. That's right. Yep. So this says more about us as a society. What is broken in our society that Donald fucking Trump still has any opportunity to have power in this country? He should be off on, an, on a deserted island somewhere by himself in disgrace, but he's not. Why? That to me is, is the most alarming part of all of this. And I don't know how we fix that over. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a generational problem. Yeah, that's but for sure. all I do know, right? But what I do know is that there are more of us than there are of them. And it's really important that we, we don't get fatigued. And we don't just throw our hands up and go, you know what? It's, it's hopeless. Forget it. I, what am I going to do? We can't. We have to remain vigilant on fighting against this or else we're going to lose our country. And I'm not ready to do that quite yet. I don't think you are either. No, I am not. So let me ask you this, Tara. Wokeism is a thing with Republicans. They don't stop talking about it. How can we, Lincoln Project, Mayor Culpa, Political Beatdown, you, Tara Setmayor, Michael Cohen, 
How can we take the word back or at a minimum reframe it for the public so that it means something other than anything MAGAs don't like? Yeah, that it's tough because this is one of the things, you know, I, I, I went to school for political communications. I worked in polycom my whole Republican career. And so I look at this and I look at some of the most basic fundamental principles of never letting your opponent define you first. And when they redefine a word, a phrase, a person, a character, they find a boogeyman, uh, it's very difficult to reclaim that. It's just so hard to do. And I get very frustrated with my Democratic friends because they don't know how to punch back hard enough oftentimes and snatch back things from Republicans. And Republicans know this. That's why they're big bullies. And they're, they know that they're better at this because they don't have the same moral considerations that Democrats often do. They want to be erudite and nice and polite. And Republicans are like, fuck that. We're trying to win. Yeah, not me. <laughs> and so, you know, well, that's what makes Lincoln Project so effective because we're all a bunch of former Republicans and a lot of us wrote the playbook or were involved in it. And we know how to, you know, we know where to needle them and how to where their weak points are, their Achilles heel. And the woke issue, Democrats have let this get out of hand. And it is very salient. I can tell you right now, it is a potent issue in suburban districts with parents, suburban parents and with kids in school. Um, this whole thing about how they seized on the LGBT stuff, the gender, uh, you know, gender affirmation stuff, like all of that. It's such a small fraction, but it doesn't matter. They're making it seem like there's, you know, this is happening, you know, in large numbers across the country and that the, the country is uh, somehow under see uh, under under siege here what Repu what democrats need to do is they need to redefine what woke means and what the original term what where woke came from that came out of african american culture yep. that was a terminology used back in the day when there was white supremacy going on jim crow laws you know all of these things still that were there. suppressing black americans yes they're still going on correct um but pre-civil rights era that was a part of the language in the black community about making sure you are paying attention. You are woke. You are awake to what's going on mm -hmm. and that you get involved to fight for your rights. That's what it was about. And it's been co-opted. And what they need to do is they need to get it back. They need to stand firm. You, they start need. They need to start. The Democrats need to start defining how many what it means times to have woke. you heard me, Tara, turn around and talk about Jamie Harrison and the DNC start putting out these ads. They gave you a treasure trove yesterday. Start spending yes. some money, right? Start yes. doing the ads and putting it out there. Don't even put it. Look at Donald. Donald is advertising on CNN like 30 times, 40 times a day, right? People mm -hmm. by the Bank of America Great Again Pack. I was in Texas uh, uh, last month and they're advertising against DeSantis already in yep. Texas a month ago. Spending, they spent like $2 million. Yep, they're still doing it. That's what they're doing. Democrats need to start doing that. It's just like they need to start taking back the idea of being a patriot and the flag and what American patriotism means. Don't let these fuckers take that from us. The flag is for everyone in America. You're not just a patriot if you're a MAGA Republican. Let them run around with that. Fuck that shit. And I, I, it's so infuriating to me. Just like that, that son of a bitch, Senator T uh, Tuberville in, in Alabama this week, saying that white nationalists should be able to serve in the military. I consider them Americans. Really? Like, what are we doing here? Stop letting them take these American ideals from us. They don't own them. 
So I, I, you know, for, for the Democrats who are listening to this, I would say that you need to stand strong on issues that are important to you and do not let Republicans take that from you. You can say, you, you know, they need to start running an ad campaign where they embrace the word woke, just like just like President Biden during the White House Correspondents Dinner leaned into the ageism stuff and leaned into the dark Brandon meme. Lean into that. Use humor. Use it. Turn it around on them. It makes it makes them look so much stupider. Yeah. Because they're you're like this is not hurting me. You know another example of where you can take something and turn it around. I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but for the NBA people who are NBA fans who are listening to this, many will remember Allen Iverson 25 years ago when he got into the argument with Larry Brown over practice when he had that infamous press conference and he wasn't showing up for practice or he'd show up late and he was fighting with Larry, his coach at the time, and he went off on the reporters and he was like, practice? We're talking about practice. Practice? I mean, it became that was a meme before memes were memes. Well, guess what? Kevin Hart now has a Citibank commercial out now that has turned that around and they've joked now he's talking about cash back and they brought back Allen Iverson because mm-hmm. Allen Iverson was considered a villain back then for yep. that because he was like, how dare he? You know, you need to be in practice like everybody else. Blah, blah, blah. Now they use it as humor and it's and they turned it around and brought it back. It's a great ad campaign for those of us who remember it. Now, that's not as serious as what we're talking about with American politics, but my point is you need to take the things that people try to use against you and turn it around and use it back as a weapon. It's a very strong way to do that. Yeah, but Tara, here's the biggest problem, and I find this from so many people, educated, uneducated, and it's infuriating. They just don't want to pay attention. They're tired of the chaos. They're tired of waking up and wondering, what's this ass clown going to do today? I'll tell you what they do know, that Biden's age is an issue. He acknowledged it it himself. But look at what he's accomplished so far. He's accomplished a lot. Do you think that that means anything to the young people and the voters who aren't paying attention? So... You know, I've been encouraged by the amount of enthusiasm coming from the Gen Z vote. We've seen that they've been more and more engaged since 2018. Donald Trump, if anything, one of the good things is a lot more people have become engaged. You want to talk about woke? Yeah, they woke up. And that should be the ad campaign. Yep, we're woke. We're awake to the fact that Donald Trump has done this. Republicans are doing that. And we are not going to let our country go down that path again. We're not going to let our rights be taken away from us. We're not going to let women's rights be taken away from them. Like, there's so many things they could do with this to take it back. And with Joe Biden's accomplishments, and I've said this repeatedly to my Democratic friends, stop the murmurings about his age. Repetition creates reality. We don't need you to keep telling us how old Joe Biden is. We know how old Joe Biden is. Let's focus on the positive. Stop it. You know, with age comes wisdom and experience. He, he demonstrated at the White House Correspondence Center that he's still all there. All those, you know, all that BS in the background about, oh, he's not that sharp, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? People half his age couldn't do what he does on a daily basis. So they need to shut the fuck up with this. And they need to lean into his accomplishments. Stop letting that narrative take over. They need to fight back. And I think young people... They're trying to recognize and put out there the issues that the younger generations care about. That's why you see the conversations about debt forgiveness, student debt forgiveness and all of those kinds of things. 
but they need to keep them engaged because look at the alternative. Do they want that? Do they want Trumpism? Because they think that guy's too old. Well, you know, well, he's too old. I don't have a, yeah, but do you want him? Donald's only three years younger. So meanwhile, how about yeah. something like this, right? For the Lincoln Project, and so, right? We get a split screen and you have a whole bunch of people. That's right. We're woke. And then you have all of the legal cases that are coming down against Trump. And soon you'll be broke. Right. I mean, right. That, I mean, that's really right. the truth. I mean, he's got. Uh, yeah, he's got, as we like to say in Yiddish, he's of right now. He's got some real troubles coming. Now, I want to ask you this question because a lot of people ask it to me and I don't have the answer. I know what I hope, but I really don't have all the information onto it. If the election was held tomorrow and the candidates are Biden versus Trump, right, the rematch, who do you think wins? Well, I think Joe Biden wins, but I think it's still entirely too close for comfort. Me too. Way too close for comfort. We just saw that ABC poll that came out. It showed Trump and DeSantis both beating Biden if the election were held today. Now, we have to take some caveats into consideration. That's a national poll. National polling doesn't matter. We don't have a national election. So I would like to see what the polling number, numbers look like in the states I talked about earlier. What does it look like in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia? Those are the states that matter. What are his polling numbers in suburban areas? Because I can tell you that in places like Pennsylvania, Donald Trump is not polling well. Republicans are not polling well in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, of Philadelphia. Those are places that Trump would need to win. But anything can happen here. If we have a recession, I personally believe that the Republicans are willing to tank our economy so they can blame it on Biden. And then because people vote with their pocketbooks, you know, that's a direct threat to their well-being. So the person in charge, whether it's their fault or not, they get the credit or they get blamed. And that's Joe Biden right now, which is why the debt ceiling debate is such a important one for everyone, because not only if they actually do this for political expediency, which would just be catastrophic for the country and the global markets, but it would be catastrophic for Joe Biden. And whether that's fair or not. So, you know, I worry, I worry certain things can happen and the political attitude of the country can change on a dime. So unfortunately, Donald Trump is polling entirely too strongly for me, for my liking. And he's polling, he's polling off of lies. That's the word. Again, that goes back to what, what are we looking at as a country? People are sticking their heads in the sand, ignoring what he what he's done in the past and what he says he's going to do now and the absolute despicable, undemocratic crap that comes out of his mouth. They don't care. Well, he was better on the economy. At least I'll get my tax cut. No. Yeah. At the expense of us losing our democracy, like people need it. They, they've got to wake up. They've got. Yeah, to. And that, and that's it, our job is to keep them, keep them woke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, look, the hour goes by quick, Tara. You know that here on Maya Culpa. One last question for you, and it touches on the point you just brought up. What should we be doing now to help Biden win a second term? Because I assume, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about it, that the talking points for the Democrats are going to be abortion, Dobbs decision, Roe v. Wade, safe gun laws. I mean, we have more mass shootings then we have days in 2023, yeah, right? Crazy. I mean, this year alone. And of mm -hmm. course, the economy. But none of these ideas are new. I mean, you know, this is the same shit that's been circulating, right? Election after election after election. 
So what am I missing? And how do we make these topics fresh so that we can actually get some enthusiasm by Gen Zers, by Gen mm-hmm. Xers, right? And by purple states in regard to abortion, safe gun laws, economy, and like so on. You have to become political shock jocks. We have to start showing people what the alternative is. This is what's going on, and these are your choices. You have to show what happens when women are forced in back alley abortions again, or young girls are di- start dying from unsafe abortions because they can't get them legally anymore. Start showing that, what that looks like. They need to start showing what it looks like if the country goes into a debt de- default, people losing their jobs, not being losing their homes, um, you know, the recession, what that would look like. People have to be shaken into paying attention. So it's important for people like us who have platforms that have access to the information, who are trusted voices, to be consistent in showing what the alternative is if they're not engaged. If you don't get engaged, if you don't vote, if you don't volunteer for a campaign or run for office yourself, God bless you in this climate, but we need good people there because if you don't, then one of the crazies will. People have to stay engaged because if they don't, we need to show them what the alternative what the alternative is. We cannot afford to go back to that. We cannot. No, we cannot afford for the future of our country to look like a Trump rally. And that's what we need to do. We take those issues and we show people what the consequences are. That's very effective. It's very effective because I don't think people believe it. They don't believe it until it happens to them. So this is what will happen to you, to your sister, to your daughter to your family, to your business. It's The Handmaid's Tale all over again. All you need to do is watch The Handmaid's Tale. And you may laugh and say, oh, there's no way that that's a possibility. (laughs) Gilead, it's silliness. It's like House of Cards. It can't happen. I say bullshit to that. But I also turn around and say, thank you, Tara, for joining me. You're the best. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate Lincoln Project and everything that you guys are doing. And we definitely have to figure out how to collaborate very, very soon on something. Because you're right. Our platforms are large enough that at least together, we could really grow this into an even bigger movement. Because that's really what we need. We need to combat MAGA with our own movement. That's right. There's more of us than there are of them. I'm very convinced of that. And as I always, always say, democracy is a decision. So we need to decide to fight for it and protect it. It's up to us. Every single day. Thanks so much, Tara. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Anytime. I'll see you soon. And now for today's mea culpa. If you love CNN airing the Trump town hall last Wednesday, I mean, great, more power to you. And if you didn't, go back to your private silos. You see, I believe that's what Anderson Cooper was trying to tell us on Thursday night. You see, CNN's not the problem. We are the problem. He's blaming the audience, not the network. He's telling anyone on the left looking for lie-free coverage of the candidates that CNN is not here for that. If they had really been interested in the truth, they would have pre-recorded the interview. They would have invited a more mixed audience of voters. And they would never, ever, ever have invited Trump. Now, just like you can't get blood from a stone, you can't get the truth from a delusional liar. 
If you didn't appreciate their 90 minutes of live stream Trump porn, well, then you're shit out of luck. You see, it's happened and now it's over. But when CNN says that the problem isn't that they showcase Trump, and I somewhat agree with that, it's that you just can't handle the truth. Tell them to shove it up their fucking asses. You see, CNN, a mainstream news staple for trying to go the way of Fox, or at least pick up some of the Fox viewers that have dropped off since fucker Carlson got the axe. I mean, either way, the numbers weren't great. But one thing that Anderson said that was true is Trump is happening again, that he's running hard, and we need to wake the fuck up. It's good to know your enemy here and all sides of an argument. I mean, yada, yada, I do agree with that. We need to hear the other side, otherwise we're uneducated. But there was no debate on Wednesday. It was just Caitlin Collins failing to fact check him in real time. And when she pushed too hard, he landed a familiar gut punch, calling her a nasty person. And then the audience went fucking wild, standing up, cheering, as if he had done something good. But perhaps the audience wasn't all that bad, huh? I mean, we learned that they were told not to boo, and that even among diehard Trump voters, the long-winded lies about the 2020 election were bewildering. They want to move on already. That's what these people want. So of course they do. Because it's hard to listen to that fucking bullshit over and over and over again. And they don't want to be responsible for any of it. But then I digress. Because according to Media Matters, Trump voters were not impressed by his pulling out that old fucking tired speech and trying to relitigate his role in the insurrection. According to a reporter from Puck Magazine who was in the audience, and I quote, I remember walking out and people in the front row were like, he's talking some crazy stuff. And I think a lot of these lawsuits are adding up. There was heavy skepticism. And then there were some people that were like, this is vintage Trump. I'm so happy to see him stick it to CNN right in their face. So it was a mix and not much consolation. No matter what their intentions, good or evil, CNN isn't properly informing the public when they let a fucking serial liar change the narrative. That's called disinformation. The day after he was found guilty of sexual abuse and defamation in the E. Jean Carroll case, there he was again, defaming her with a vengeance. And I hope she fucking sues him again, because that would be a slam dunk. But you see my point? No matter what they're saying now, CNN gave Trump a platform to lie his fucking ass off. Did it help the voters decide? Huh? I don't know, but that's what happened. And now they should put Biden on in primetime this Wednesday and have someone like Caitlin Collins ask about everything. And I'm talking about kitchen table issues to the border crisis. I mean, that's what they should do. Just go for it. Because Biden, unlike Trump, will answer those questions. And without misinformation, without disinformation, without malinformation, no conspiracy theories or host intimidation. You see, Biden isn't just the better candidate, he's the better person. So showcase that CNN, but in the meantime, I'll be in my silo, continuing to comment on everything. And also, thanks for listening. 
Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media, written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. 